record a podcast. <laughs> oh my goodness. I hate myself. Okay. Are we ready? Right. Yes, I am ready. Are you ready? <laughs> we were born ready. 100. 100. 50s. <laughs> it's my it's, favorite. It's, it's, yeah. Okay. I'm assuming we're, we're recording. Yeah, okay. we're recording. Hi, guys. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> oh, welcome to Death Becomes Us. Our podcast. I feel like the last few episodes, did we, like, say, like, hey, we're a podcast and we talk yeah. about... Okay. Well, we... See, I can't remember. <laughs> or did we just be like, that's Talia and that's Krista? Okay. No, no. I mean, we said our <laughs> podcast name, but we didn't really say, like, what our podcast's about. I mean, when we're, like, 34 episodes in, I think people should know by now. <laughs> <laughs> but I feel like it's good to, to remind people. No, you're people, right, you're right. Because not everybody starts at That's the why beginning. I was asking, because I was like... I don't think we did last time. No, but like three, maybe four episodes ago, mm-hmm. Maritime Mystery. Okay, yeah, yeah. We talked about how you and I deal with things, dark things with humor. Yeah. And so we don't mean to offend anybody. Oh, yeah, never. So we did do that. Okay, good. <laughs> but we did, we've, we haven't been like, hey, this is Death Becomes Us, our podcast, where we talk about, you know, murder and true crime and spooky things and weird phenomena and aliens and, and cryptids. Yes, and we're... Dark humor. <laughs> dark humor. Yes, dark humor. Yeah, that's Can about you, it. Excuse me, sir. It's not your space, sir. Severo is about to sweet drop boy. his first single. Oh, hi. Oh, my goodness. Hi, sweet. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So, that's Krista. That, that, that's Dahlia. <laughs> hi. Hey. <laughs> Welcome I'm excited. to the podcast. Yeah. yeah. Uh, who goes first? Fuck. <laughs> I think... Um, the last you recorded the last episode. I did. So who I went did. last? <laughs> Hold on. Just, just, just let me. I think it would have been me. I think it was because on the one that's up tomorrow. We are the fucking worst. <laughs> you went last. I went first. That sounds right. I believe. That sounds right. I believe in. I believe it. Believe. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I can't. I'm sorry. I'm trying to open because I have a full list of every topic we've done. Oh really? Yes. That's handy. In a note. That's yeah. Handy. I went first. You went last last time. Okay. So I'm first. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now that we've established that. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> that was a struggle for a second. <laughs> it's fine. It's yeah. fine. All right. I'm ready. Um, I forgot to open my. <laughs> oh, your notes. <laughs> We're so prepared. We are so prepared. I also. Maybe we want to remind everybody, this is not, we're not professional researchers here. We're not always professional. I don't have a degree in researching. Okay. <laughs> so, so, so if you want like a well, better podcast, this isn't the one for you. A well-worded. <laughs> if you want more, go somewhere else. <laughs> oh my God. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Did you, I think it was in the list of possible like title options but if you want language data language yes yes if you want good words yes, data language that's it yep, oh, that, that's that, the one that was funny nice. all right so we'll jump into it yeah. i know i mentioned this case mm. before uh when i did magnata yes the, luca yes mm-hmm. luca magnata yeah i mentioned the ken and barbie killers and yeah. how i almost did them yeah. so i decided to do to them actually this do them time. this time Yes. Okay. And once again, I 
bitten off more than I could chew. <laughs> Story of our damn lives. Right? Because I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do the Ken and Barbie killers. And then it's like, oh, this is a lot. Mm-hmm, <laughs> Once mm-hmm, again. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> but it's like, there, there's certain stuff that you're just like, do I leave it out? And then it's like, no, I don't want to leave it out. Right, you right. know? Oh, yeah. You, be quiet. <laughs> no noises. A shoe. <laughs> Shushers. Seb is our guest appearance today. Shushers, poopers. <laughs> okay, so it's Paul Bernardo and Carla Homolka. Okay. If you remember, Carla Homolka is the girl she that... Dated. He perpetuated the rumor that yes, they were dating. Yes, that they dated. Yes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he, like, showed up and was like, it's ruining my life. Yeah. Yeah. So that's this girl. Got it. So, which was not, not true. Yeah, 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 yeah. I will just start with Bernardo and okay. then like a brief whatever and then Carla and then mm-hmm. them together. Got it. Because it's a thing. Okay. Oh, okay. So they had lives outside of themselves. E- yes. <laughs> well, obviously. I mean like well, uh, stuff. Uh, Paul Paul had a, a history. as a He was a rapist. Got it. Got it. Got uh, it. It's in here. Hold on. Oh, so the Scarborough Rapist. Oh, fuck. Yes. Okay. Scarborough Rapist. Ah. Uh, Paul Bernardo. Got it. So, got it. Okay. Yeah. So you, yeah. I think you know at least some yes. of this case. I was like, that's familiar to yeah. me. The Scarborough yes. Rapist? Yes. Definitely. Yes. Because it's pretty bad. Mm-hmm. So Bernardo was born into a wealthy but dysfunctional family, of course, because... Aren't they know, all? His mother, Marilyn, who had been adopted by well-to-do Toronto lawyer Gerald Eastman and his wife, Elizabeth, was raised in a stable household. His father, Kenneth, was the son of an English woman and an Italian immigrant who created highly successful marble tile business. So. That's cool. Yeah. Um, but he was abusive to his wife and children. Aw. Of course. God damn it. Unfortunately. Dad, yeah. knock it off. <laughs> Dad, come on. <laughs> Quit abusing people. <laughs> Be better. <laughs> so instead of entering the family business, Kenneth Bernardo became an accountant. And uh, after her father disapproved oh okay so his mother i'm got assuming it. got it after his her father disapproved of her earlier boyfriend she married bernardo so okay. yeah mm-hmm. they got married in mm-hmm. 1960 mm-hmm. like his father kenneth bernardo was said to be abusive so paul bernardo's dad yeah abusive as well yeah uh, Marilyn, after having given birth to a son and a daughter began seeing a former boyfriend she became pregnant and gave per- uh, birth to paul Kenneth Bernardo on August 27th, 1964. So, he was the product of an affair, basically. Awesome. Yep. Kenneth Bernardo tolerated his wife's affair and listed himself as Paul's uh, biological father on his birth certificate. Okay. So, even though he wasn't. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1975, Kenneth Bernardo fondled a girl and was charged with child molestation charges. Yeah. He also sexually abused his own daughter. It's... Can we... can no more incest. Incest. Incest, please. Can we no more? Right? Please. Please. What? It's not that hard. No. So, um, Bernardo's mother became depressed over her husband's abuse, obviously, yeah. and withdrew from the family life and lived in the basement, basically. Oh, just like okay. became a shut in. Just like, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. Though the el- elder children felt the effects of, of the. Oh my goodness, I am having a struggle today. That's okay. Though the elder children fell felt the effects of the emotional and mental turmoil, Paul appeared to be unscathed. So he was just kind oh. of indifferent Interesting. to his father's abuse. Yeah. And his, 
and all that all shit. All the shit. He was mm-hmm. just whatever. Yeah. Um, in his book, Lethal Marriage, Nick Prawn describes young Bernardo as he was always happy, a young boy who smiled a lot. And he was so cute with his dimpled good looks and sweet smile that many of the mothers just wanted to pinch him on the cheek whenever they saw him. He was the perfect Ooh. child they all wanted. Polite, well-mannered, doing well in school. So sweet in his schoolboy's uniform. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Sure. Yeah. I don't so, buy it. So sweet. So cute. That's how they get That's you. That's how they get you. The <laughs> uniforms. The charm. I the don't dimples. like it. <laughs> don't like it. <laughs> Uh, so following an argument between his parents when Bernardo was 16, his mother basically admitted that Kenneth wasn't his father mm. and told him that he was the product of an affair. Yeah, yeah. Um, he was, so he, he didn't know until then? Probably. No. Okay. Until he was 16. Okay. Um, repulsed, he began openly to call his mother a slob and a whore. So it's like once he found out his mom cheated, he like turned on her. As if his dad isn't a monster. Right, exactly. It's like who fucking cares? Kenneth is a bad person. Yeah. You don't want him to be your dad anyway. Yeah, for real. Yo. So Yo. Yeah. Um, Bernardo graduated from Sir Wilfrid Laurier Collegiate Institute, opting to work for Amway, whose sales culture had a deep effect on him. I'm not sure what Amway is, to be honest. I have no this idea. is in uh Canada, Canada right? Canadia, yes. A Canadia. Canadia. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a good question. I don't know. <clears throat> yeah, I'm not sure what it is, but... Uh, Canadians, what is it? Canadians, write us. Write in. Help us. <laughs> Help. Um, it, so, do you think it's like the their postal service? <laughs> no. It's... It says he buys books and tapes, uh, oh. but I don't know if that's Do you anything. think it's like a, like a door-to-door salesman? I don't know. <laughs> and he sells books and tapes? <laughs> I wonder. I don't know. It just says his, it says the sales culture has mm-hmm. like a deep effect on him, mm-hmm. so I don't know. Maybe he... It sounds like door-to-door salesman. He sells something, I, I assume. Where he's like... Yeah. Mm, okay. Um, he's affected. Got yeah. it. So, he bought the books and tapes of famous motivational get-rich-and-famous experts. Okay. Trying to whatever, okay. I guess. Yeah. Bernardo and his friends practiced their techniques on young women they met in bars, and they were fairly successful. I imagine. So, at the time. Yeah, at the time, for sure. Uh, by the time Bernardo attended University of Toronto in Scarborough, he had developed dark sexual fantasies. He enjoyed humiliating women in public, and he would often abuse the women that he dated. Yeah. So he God damn. turned into a skis ball real quick. I hate that. Yeah, me too. It's not nice, Seth. Severo, do you also hate it? Yes, he, he does. does. You can see it in his eyes. <laughs> yeah. My sweetheart. All right, so now we have Carla. So God. Carla Leanne Homolka was the eldest of Carol and Dorothy Homolka's three daughters. So. Okay. Oldest, got it. Uh, her sisters were Lori, born 1971, and Tammy, 1975. The family lived in St. Catharines, Ontario. Carla Homolka began working part-time at a pet shop while attending Sir Winston Churchill Secondary School. She was described as well-adjusted, pretty smart, and popular. Uh, she was a child with fondness for animals, and that's what led her to start working at the veterinary okay. clinic. Okay. I'm already concerned for the animals. Yeah, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Who knows? <gasps> Just a little it's bit fine. too much of a certain like medication, medication yeah. and yeah, oh, it's fine. It's fine. Yeah. After graduation in 1988, she was hired by Thorold Vet- Veterinary Clinic to work as, as as an assistant. So okay, she's working in a vet. Got it. She later took a similar job at the Martindale Animal Clinic, from which she stole drugs mm. that she would eventually use in these crimes. Okay, got so it. She stole drugs from a vet. 
In October of 1987, Paul met Carla at, uh, let's see. It doesn't say, actually. I don't, I don't know where they met. They met. They met. They met. Let's just say so, a bar. Probably. That's my guess, but... Also, yeah, that's an assumption, but it yeah. makes sense. Unless I watch it just be in here somewhere. Somewhere. Where they met. <laughs> my notes are a mess. It's fine. <laughs> so, yeah, in October of 1987, okay. Paul and Carla met. They became sexually interested in each other almost instantly. Mm-hmm. And unlike the other girls he had previously dated, she encouraged his sadistic yeah. sexual behavior. So Yeah. It was So toxic. they were yeah, horrible together. Horrible together, yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Horrible. He was horrible apart, but they're horrible together. Together. They make each other worse. Yeah, I don't think there's any, like, prior anything with her before he enters the picture. Interesting. Like, there's nothing yeah. that I saw anyway. Uh-huh. So, now I'm just going to do a, a run-through of Paul Bernardo's criminal history as the Scarborough rapist. Because he was the rapist yeah. before he met Carla. Yeah. Obviously. Yes. <clears throat> so he committed multiple sexual acts escalating in viciousness in and around Scarborough, Ontario. Most of the assaults were on young women who he had stalked after they exited buses. So oh. he targeted women leaving buses, mm-hmm. usually late at night. At night. Mm-hmm. So they're like just going Vulnerable, home. Yeah, yeah, alone. Getting off work or it's done with school. Dark. Oh. Yeah. So May 4th, 1987, Bernardo, Ber- Bernardo committed his first rape in Scarborough against a 21-year-old woman in front of her parents' house. Jesus Christ. Yeah. He followed her home, and the attack lasted for more than half an hour. So, long and horrible. I hate it. <coughs> Same. <coughs> May 14th, 1987, he committed his second rape and attacked a 19-year-old woman in the backyard of her parents' house, and it lasted for over an hour. So it just escalates. How? I don't know. Do you think he like opens the gate and just moseys on in? Yeah. Or Or like muffles them so they can't scream? Probably. Or threatens them with a weapon? Probably. Because like how can you do that without them being like, help me? Right? Because you'd think they would be like fighting and yelling. Yeah, for sure. Breaks my heart. I fucking would. Yeah. But he must have done something. If it, yeah. If he can like continuously rape someone for an hour. Mm hmm. Yikes. That's so scary. It really is. And, like, you would think you're safe in your parents' backyard mm-hmm. or getting off a right, bus. Right, You know? It just makes you sad. hmm So. <clears throat> Did you ever watch the show Unbelievable on Netflix? I don't think so. Would recommend. Okay. It's rough. Okay. It's rough. But, okay. like, <laughs> it's really interesting. Okay. It's about a, a girl that gets raped. Mm-hmm. And nobody believes her. Oh. And then, meanwhile, another girl gets raped. Uh-huh. And it's like different counties. Okay. So this county mm-hmm. believes this girl. This one doesn't believe this girl. But it's the and same this, rapist? The detectives start, yeah, these two women ah. detectives start to connect that it's the same rapist. Dang. Anyway. Yeah. Would recommend. Out. Really good. All right. On July 27th, 1987, he attempted a third rape. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Although he beat the young woman, he abandoned the attack after she fought back. Mm. So maybe she just fought back a little more. Interesting. Well, and I wonder if, because, I don't know. I'm so sorry. I feel like I need to shut up and just let no, you do your okay. story. It's okay. I mean, this is, <laughs> the whole point of it is to talk. Yeah. Well, because do you ever imagine yourself in those situations and what you would do? <laughs> I don't like to. <laughs> well, fair. Fair. Right. But I don't know. I mean, I like to think I would, like, fight back and mm-hmm. like, not make it fucking easy. That's right. for sure. Well, because I always wonder, because don't, I imagine some of them say, like, 
don't make any noise. Mm-hmm. I'm not, like, if you make noise, I won't hurt you. Or, yeah. Like, yeah. Well, and if you're being threatened, like, with a weapon or something. Or, yeah. you know, yeah, then, yeah. like, obviously I get that there's a time and a place to. But I'm wondering if he said that and so those girls mm-hmm. didn't fight back, but this other girl was just like, fuck that. Yeah. Maybe he, like, didn't have a weapon uh-huh. or. It's, I don't know. Yeah, it's interesting. Oh, my heart is so sad. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Too. I interrupted. It only gets worse. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, December 16th, 1987, he commits his third rape mm-hmm. because it's... He succeeds, unfortunately. Yeah. Against a 15-year-old girl, so ah, getting even younger. Shit. The rape lasted for about an hour, and the following day, the Toronto Police served... Uh, service issued a warning to women in Scarsborough traveling alone at night, mm-hmm. especially those taking the bus system. Mm-hmm. So they're kind of catching on yeah. to the pattern. Mm-hmm. December 23rd, 1987, he commits his fourth rape, and during the attack, he raped 17-year-old girl and used a knife to threaten her. Mm-kay. So there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> it was at this point he began to be referred to as the Scarsborough Rapist, mm-hmm. so... April 18th, 1988, Bernardo attacked a 17-year-old, the fifth assault, which lasted for 45 minutes. Hmm. May 25th, he was nearly caught by uniformed Metro Toronto investigator uh, while he was staking out a bus shelter. Oh, uh-huh. The investigator noticed him hiding underneath a tree and pursued him on foot, but he escaped. Oh, fuck. Unfortunately, yeah. Goddamn. Right? So May thirtieth, so just five days after he gets chased down yeah. by a fucking cop, yeah, he commits his sixth rape um, in Clarkston, about twenty-five miles south of Scarsboro. Mm, okay, and this was against an eighteen-year-old. Mm-hmm. I wish I had all these girls' names, but they they were not yeah <laughs> listed. That's yeah, <clears throat> which is also fine. Yeah, because I always because we talk about how we would rather like. Yeah, talk about the victims. Talk about the victims and remember mm-hmm. the victims instead of glorify. But where these are rape cases instead of murder. It's like, yeah, yeah. I don't want, we don't want to. Yeah. yeah. It's not yeah. our place to. Mm-hmm. It's true. To say. I know there are a few, like, names <clears throat> of victims, but. Yeah. October 4th, uh, Bernardo attempted a seventh rape. His victim fought him off, but he inflicted two stab wounds to her thigh and her butt, which required 12 stitches. So, Yikes. November 16th, 1988, he committed his seventh rape against an 18-year-old girl in the back of her parents' house, once again. Jesus. Uh, November 17th, Metro Police formed a special task force dedicated to capturing him. Mm-hmm. So they're like, mm-hmm. everybody, this. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Take care of it. We're sick <laughs> of it. Get him. <laughs> We're sick of it. <laughs> December 27th, uh, an alerted neighbor chased Bernardo off after he had attempted an eighth rape. My birthday. So. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> it's fine. You were being born. Someone was attempting to be raped. I hate it. Yeah. Right? <laughs> June 20th, 1989. That's only a few days after mine. Oh, shit. <laughs> it is. Bernardo attempted to rape another young woman. She fought against him and her screams alerted the neighbor and he fled with scratches on his face. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He's just a monster, honestly. It's horrible. <sighs> yeah. Uh, August 15th, 1989, he committed his eighth rape against a 22-year-old woman. He had stalked her the previous night from outside the window of, window of her apartment, mm-hmm. and then he had waited for her to arrive home. Mm-hmm. This particularly vicious attack lasted for two hours. Jesus So, Christ. Also, Just how getting does he, worse. How does he go for that long? I don't know. Like, that makes... I, I doubt it's, like, consistent. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I, <clears throat> I'm sure there's breaks oh god i That's hate even it worse. that is worse i That's hate even it worse because like 
you think it's over and then it's not. Yeah, and then it's not. <sighs> no. Oh. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> on November 21st, Bernardo committed his ninth against a 15-year-old he saw in a bus shelter, and it was for another 45 minutes. December 22nd, his 10th rape against a 19-year-old. This attack occurred in a stairwell of an underground parking lot. So, nowhere is safe. Yeah. Uh, May 26th, 1990, he committed his 11th rape, which lasted for over an hour. However, this 19-year-old victim's vivid recollection of her attack permitted police to make a composite sketch. Mm, okay. So now they're getting somewhere. Somewhere. Mm-hmm. It was released two days later by police and published in Toronto and surrounding areas mm-hmm. in the newspaper. Mm-hmm. <coughs> God damn. This cough. Oh, baby. Um, in July of 1990, two months after receiving tips that Bernardo fit the description of the Scarborough rapist composite, he was interviewed by two police detectives. Mm. Yep. Um, between May and September of 1990, the police submitted more than 130 suspect samples for DNA testing, and they received two reports that the person they were seeking was Paul Bernardo, so they're like, Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it may, it is, this <laughs> yes. person. <laughs> yes. Uh, the first in June had been called in by a bank employee, and the second was received from Tina Smirmis? Smirmis? The wife of one of the Cernus brothers who were among Bernardo's closest friends. Interesting. One of his friend's wife's, like, hey. Was like, hey. <laughs> yeah. Uh, she told Bless the, her. Yes, for real. <laughs> she told the detectives that Bernardo had been called in on a previous rape investigation in December of 1987, mm. but had never been interviewed. Mm-hmm. He frequently talked about his sex life to his friend and told him that he liked analingus, rough sex, and anal sex. So she was just like, this guy hmm. is, uh, suspicious. Suspicious. Yeah. I, 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 yeah. <coughs> Good for her, though. Yeah, absolutely. Because <coughs> that would be scary. Yeah. To be like, it's probably mm-hmm. my this guy that yeah. my husband, like, spends time Hangs with. out with, yeah. Like, she could be one of his victims, Oh, absolutely. You know? Well, he could get mad and target her. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh... Alex uh, Smirnis' phrasing was awkward and stilted and consequently left the detectives unsure of whether or not to take him seriously. Mm. After cross-checking several files, the detectives decided to interview Bernardo. The interview on November 20th of 1990 lasted for 35 minutes and Bernardo voluntarily gave samples for forensic testing. Mm -hmm. When the detectives asked Bernardo why he thought he was being investigated for the rapes, he admitted that he did resemble the composite sketch. Yeah. The detectives concluded that such a well-educated, well-adjusted, congenial young man couldn't possibly be responsible for such vicious crimes. Don't judge a book by its cover. God damn you. (laughs) God damn it. Yeah, it's it's stupid. That's rough. It's the same with, like, any charismatic killer. Oh, yeah. Of course they're going to be, like... Well, it's charming and, and, yeah, and like seem fine on the outside because of that. Mm-hmm. You just can't. I feel like you can never judge anyone based on their appearance, right? Like, yeah, like you can't assume mm-hmm. someone that's not educated yeah. is a murderer. Yeah, exactly. And that it has nothing to do. Yeah, with, like yeah. you can't. Mm. It's frustrating. <laughs> it's fine. I'm fine. So, uh, yeah, after deciding that yeah. he couldn't be responsible, they said mm-hmm. that he was more credible than the tip who had been awkward and had a strange way of talking. Uh-huh. But it's like, you know, no one wants to be like, 
hey, this guy, like, talks about anal sex and... Right. You know, like... Well, they said it was his friend, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, that would be awkward. Yeah, to exactly. To go and talk about your friend yeah, exactly. and be like, he, he <laughs> is... Uh, they basically just said that they thought that the tipster was just trying to collect the reward. Mm. Because they talked to him and it couldn't have been him. So, he mm. was released the following day. Cool. Following the interview, Bernardo drove to St. Catherine's and held a secret meeting with Homolka, assuring her that he wasn't their Scarsboro rapist, yeah. so. Sounds fake. Please. <laughs> Please. <laughs> uh, okay, well, but they, took, there was they also, took his DNA? Yeah, they did. But they just didn't test it? I I don't know. It doesn't say anything about it. Because, like, you'd think if they had, then they probably would have made a connection, right? Because, like, there's no way he rapes that many women and doesn't leave some sort some of... Some sort of DNA. Yeah, exactly. Oh. I it's can't. It's frustrating. Okay. Yeah. Also, like, I don't know. There's some articles that said he, like, convinced her he wasn't a Scarsboro rapist. Mm. And then there were some that I saw that said that she encouraged... That behavior. His raping. Uh -huh. And, like, knew about it. Yeah. So, I don't, I don't know which is true, but... Yeah. Bernardo moved permanently to St. Catharines on February 1st, 1991. The sexual assaults in Scarborough had stopped. However, on April 6th, he committed his 12th rape, uh, this one in St. Catharines. Again, the victim was young. She was only 14. Jesus so Christ! yet. Sir! Yeah. Can we not? Uh, unlike this, unlike the other attacks, this one occurred early in the morning and it was nowhere near a bus stop. Mm. So, changed his MO, but it's the same shit. Yeah. Um, Bernardo and Homolka eventually became engaged, and she described to her friend how Paul and I are happier than ever. He's being so great, so romantic, but that's typical of my honey. Sure. But the truth was... I'm sorry, but rape is not romantic. <laughs> it's really not. There's Carla, nothing romantic about stop. it. Stop. Uh, three years... Okay, so she said that they were happy yeah. and romantic and whatever, but yeah. the truth was that they're three now three years into their relationship, mm -hmm. and uh, Paul Bernardo was getting bored. Yep. Which, which, of course. Is, yep, not a good sign. Um, he complained to Homolka that she had not been a virgin when they met, and he soon turned his attentions to Homolka's 15-year-old sister, Tammy. Oh, no. Oh, yes. <gasps> oh, yes. <laughs> this is the part of the case that I know. Yep. <clears throat> I figured you would. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, fuck. You know where this is going. Excuse you, sir. Excuse you, sir. Sir. <laughs> sir. <laughs> hey. <laughs> oh, my God. My Lord. I, do, okay. Do you think that's why he targets young girls is because he wants virgins? Maybe. It could be. Because, I mean, if he's complaining to, to yeah. Carla that she's not a yeah. virgin anymore, then maybe that's why his tar our targets are getting younger. So young. Yeah. Either way, not okay. No, definitely not. But that might could be the be, case. Could be why he's doing that. Yeah. Which is just sick. Jesus Christ. All right. All right. All right, Tammy. So now we're getting into the schoolgirl murders. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Which is probably mm -hmm. the part that you know. I think so. Yep. I don't remember it well, but I, <coughs> I know mm -hmm. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it begins with poor Tammy Homolka. Yes. Her own fucking sister. That shit... Like, baffles me. Right. Like, I... Oh, yeah. Could never well, you do had anything to hurt so my many sisters. sisters. Yeah. yeah. So, like, it just blows my mind. Mm -hmm. 
Uh, so by the time 1990 came around, Bernardo would spend a lot of time with Carla Homolka and within the, the family home, obviously. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, despite being engaged to Carla, he was obsessed with her younger sister, Tammy, and would often pleasure himself in her room while she was asleep, which is... God! Yeah. Uh, Carla oh. knew about this happening and sometimes even broke the blinds and stuff in her room, like on her window, so he could get in to her bedroom. Jesus Christ! Yeah. Um, but soon, his dark obsession escalated, obviously. Surprise, surprise. Yes, as it does. The dark always escalates. <laughs> <laughs> the shit always gets worse. It does. Uh, on December 23rd, 1990, while at a Christmas party at the Homolka family home, uh, Carla spiked her sister's drink with an animal anesthetic that she had stolen mm. from the vet clinic. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> also, I saw some things said animal anesthetic and some said, like, Vicodin. Oh. Either way, she got drugged. Um, that night, while the rest of the family was asleep and Tammy was unconscious, Homolka held a halothane-soaked cloth over her sister's mouth as they took turns raping her. So they both did it. Jesus Christ! Yeah. That's so... I... <sighs> yep. <sighs> um, so while videotaping... Oh, they videotaped the whole thing. Jesus. Yeah. Got the Lord. I lost my place. It's fine. No. <laughs> You're fine. Tammy began choking up vomit, and mm-hmm. they panicked, and they tried to clean up all the evidence yeah. of what had happened, mm-hmm. and they called the police. Mm-hmm. Um, but they... She was pronounced dead. She, she didn't make it. She never regained consciousness and was pronounced dead at the hospital, so... Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, it's super sad. Although the mysterious chemical burn on her face was noted, the drugs in her system were not detected and her death was ruled as an accident uh, from a result of choking on vomit from alcohol poisoning. Mm. So she had a chemical burn on her face, but they thought, like, maybe it was, like, stomach acid or... Yeah, yeah. You know, Yeah, they just weren't sure. Yeah, so they said it was an accident and they Mm -hmm. fucking got away with it. Woof. Yeah, woof indeed. Yes. Um, there... I did see some interesting stuff about the fact that so later, after it comes to light that mm-hmm. these guys, like, killed people, yeah. they exhumed Tammy's body and post, like, for the trial. Yeah, uh-huh. posthumously. And yeah. basically, it, it, it's hard to, I don't know. So it basically said that they that they don't think that it was an accident. Mm-hmm. Like, they think that Carla used too much on purpose. Oh, to kill her? To kill her sister because, mm-hmm. like, maybe she was jealous, jealous. of his obsession. obsession. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. So, Carla knew about the drugs she stole from the vet where she worked, mm-hmm. so she would have known... What dosage. What dosage. And- assumedly would be okay. Well, because that's even, like... They're not... They're meant for animals. Yeah. They're not meant yeah, for people. Yeah, exactly. So you don't even so. technically know how best to use it how, for what you're how doing. How you're gonna... Yeah. Yeah. It's just ridiculous. So. That's still... I don't know. What do you think? Do you think Carla did it on purpose? I mean, she's... Whole, her sister's already unconscious, and she's holding a halothane soaked cloth over her mouth and nose. Yeah. Like... Pretty sure you know what you're doing. Yeah. You know, because like she's already knocked out, so what's the hollow thing for? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, just. You don't need to be that extra. Yeah. So, and they, in the video, they can see her hand over her mouth and nose. Mm-hmm. So, honestly, yeah. I think she knew what she was doing. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if her fiance is like obsessed with her sister, yeah. she's going to make her jealous. So. And she's fucked up like that. So, I mean, in a way, it almost feels like. 
Like, obviously, he wanted to rape her sister, but it feels like this is her but first Carla wanted criminal. To. Uh-huh. Yeah, mm-hmm. where she's like, well, I'm going to kill her. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. anyway. Uh, next is Jane Doe. She's going to remain Jane oh, Doe. Oh, no. Yeah. Well. Oh, no, but hold on. Okay. <laughs> um, oh, no, but hold on. Oh, no, but hold on. So, while Carla Mulca was working at the pet shop two years earlier, she had befriended a then 15-year-old girl. Oh, fuck. Yes. On June 7th, 1991, Homolka invited the teen, referred to as Jane Doe, Mm, to uh, ensuing... Oh, she was referred to as Jane Doe in the trials. Uh, So she invites her out for a girl's night out. Okay. Yes. After an evening of shopping and dining, Homolka took Jane Doe to 57 Bayview Avenue and began to ply her with uh, alcohol laced with Halcyon. So she's like, drug, drugger. (laughs) Drugger! <laughs> it's, it's messed up. Um, after Jane Doe lost consciousness, Homolka called Bernardo to tell him that he had a surprise get- wedding gift waiting for him. Isn't that so fucked up? I hate it. I hate it too. It's awful. So the- I hope nobody else <coughs> ever gives that to anybody else as a wedding present. Yeah. If I hope it was a one-time thing. If you think that's a good wedding gift, I wish it had never been. Reassess your life. One hundred percent. Hundred. Hundred. <laughs> All right, so, um, sorry, let me find my place. They undressed the girl who was a virgin, of course, Mm -hmm. and Bernardo videotaped Homolka as she raped the girl before, before, (coughs) excuse me, before Bernardo vaginally and annually penetrated her. The next morning, the teenager was nauseous, and she believed that her vomiting was due, due to having drunk too much alcohol for the first time, and she didn't realize what had happened anything oh Mm -hmm. my god nope she had no idea which i find interesting because if she was a virgin and they did vaginal and anal you would think you would she would know know something but yeah yep woof so well maybe i mean maybe because doesn't the brain during traumatic events sometimes just like nope yeah yeah so maybe her brain was like nope yeah that's true (laughs) and she was you will not remember so (laughs) Maybe she was just in denial. I don't know. That's true. She was only 15. Yeah. So it's not like she had a lot of experience to go off right. of. Right. <laughs> you would almost rather not remember, though. Right. Exactly. Uh, so Jane Doe remained unaware of the assault and actually went on to become a close friend to the couple. Which is even fucking worse. Excuse me. Yeah. She even accompanied them on a trip to Toronto. On one occasion, Jane was invited back to Homolka and Bernardo's place, where she was drugged once more with Halcyon and Halothane. Jesus. Same thing. Um, in a chilling echo of Tammy's death, Jane began to choke. So Ah. Homolka dialed 911 as Bernardo successfully revived her, mm-hmm. and then they called off the ambulance. They were like, just kidding, everything is fine. Yeah. So, oh my God. Uh, and the call was never followed up on uh-huh. either, which ah! I think is ridiculous. Ah! But I guess if they were just like, she's choking, but then they're like, she's not choking anymore. Yeah. I don't know why they would look into it, but, but still. But still, yeah. That's, that's <laughs> rough. Yep. Homolka's twisted gift rekindled the relationship, and Bernardo cuts ties with Worthington, uh, going on to marry Carla in 1991. And Jane Doe was reportedly a guest at their wedding ceremony, which is... It's fucking wild. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, Jane Doe visited the couple once more on December 22nd, 1992, and Homolka tried to pressure her into having sex with Bernardo, and she became upset and left. Mm -hmm. So at least she had the good sense to get the fuck out of there. Yeah, bolt. Hopefully she stayed out of there. Yeah. But, all right, so on to Leslie Mahaffey? Mahaffey? Sounds great. I don't know how to say it. Haffy. <laughs> I like it. We're just going to call her Leslie. It's fine. Leslie. Um, Bernardo would continue a career of petty crime, riding through Burlington on the early morning of June 15th, 1991. He was stealing license plates. Mm. Whilst he was there, he found 14-year-old Leslie, who had been locked out of her house after missing her curfew after attending a funeral. Oh, Which my is like, God. Mom, don't do that. Yeah. Like, let your kids in, even if they miss curfew. Or maybe dad. I don't know which parent Either locked way. him out. But, like... Either way. Because imagine being like, well, you missed your curfew, you're locked out, like, learn a lesson, and then they get murdered. It's just yeah. like... Well, oh, especially no. if they were at a funeral. Yeah, that's like, the that's other thing. Like, that's brutal. That's the other thing. She was attending a funeral, so, like, some leeway. Some leeway. Like, a little... I, I don't know if it was an intentional lockout, or mm-hmm. she just didn't have a key. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. But with the mention of the curfew, it makes it sound like... Like they locked her out. You missed your curfew. Yeah. You learn a lesson. But yeah. yeah, it sucks. Goodbye, you're out. So she had been unable to find anyone with whom she could stay overnight, so she was locked outside her house. Uh, Bernardo approached her and told her of his plan to break into the neighbor's house. And she was, like, unfazed and asked if she could have a cigarette. She's like, that's fine. Whatever. Whatever, dude. So he leads her to a car, to his car... Uh, where then, where she is then blindfolded and forced inside the car, mm-hmm. and then they drive her back to their house in Port Port Dalhousie. Dalhousie? I don't know. Words. Canadian. Yes. <laughs> Canadian. <laughs> uh, the pair would go on to film themselves torturing and sexually abusing Leslie while listening to Bob Marley and David Bowie. Don't you disrespect those right? artists like that. For real. This is ridiculous. This is like Luca and his Disney shirt all over I again. I do not like it. <laughs> right? Disrespect. Uh, Bernardo would at one point during the assault say, you're doing a good job, Leslie. A damn good job. Before adding, the next two hours are going to determine what I do to you. And right now you're scoring perfect. <laughs> I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like it at all. I would hate to be graded at that point in time right? in my life. It's a horrible thing to be graded on. Yeah. Ugh. Um, Bernardo claims that the next day Homolka fed the victim a lethal dose of halcyon. Mm. Homolka disputes this and says that Bernardo strangled her. So. Uh, he said, know. she said. Yeah. Uh, following her death, Bernardo used his grandfather's circular saw to dismember her before encasing each part of her body in cement. Jesus Christ. Yeah. So he's just getting more and more violent. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because he's now not only killed her, but he dismembered her Dismembers her now. Yeah. So uh, they dumped pieces in Lake Gibson, 11 miles south of their home. Mm -hmm. Bernardo kept the receipts for the bags of cement that he purchased, which would be used against him Mm -hmm. in the trial. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, At least one of the blocks weighed over 200 pounds and proved beyond the pair's patience or abilities to sink. Which, why did you make a 200 pound block of cement it's fine yeah uh so it rested near the shore where a father and son on a fishing expedition discovered it on june 19th uh sorry june 29th 1991 Mm -hmm. her body was discovered while the two were getting married so it's like at the same time these guys are like getting married this poor father and son find this 
bodies, Body. encased in cement. Yeah, yeah. God damn. Uh huh. Eventually, uh, Leslie's orthodontic appliance was oh, what they used to identify mm-hmm, her body. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Poor baby. That is awful. Yeah. So, Kristen French is the next victim. On the afternoon of April 16th, 1992, Bernardo and Hermolka were driving through St. Catharines looking for potential victims. So, now at this point, they're just together driving doing around. Shit. Yeah. And they're doing it together. <laughs> yep. Uh, it was after school hours on the day before Good Friday. Students were still hoping... Oh my goodness, I cannot. <laughs> Students were still going home, but by and large, the streets were pretty much empty. Mm-hmm. Uh, as they passed Holy Cross Secondary School, a main Catholic high school in the city's north end, <clears throat> excuse me, they spotted French, a 15-year-old student, walking to her nearby home. The couple pulled into the parking lot of the Grace Lutheran Church, and Homoko got out of the car with a map in hand pretending to ask for directions. Oh, mm-hmm. As French looked at the map, mm-hmm. Bernardo attacked her from behind, brandishing a knife and forcing her into the front seat of their car. Uh, and then Homolka sat in the back seat and c- kept control over her by pulling oh, on her hair. Uh-huh. So she... <laughs> <laughs> so French took the same route home every day, taking about 15 minutes to get home in order to attend to her dog's needs. Basically, she had, like, a super a strict schedule. routine that mm-hmm. she did every mm-hmm. day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and soon after she should have arrived, her parents become con- had become convinced that she had Something's wrong. Play. Yeah. And they notified the police. So within 24 hours, the Niagara-, Niagara Regional Police had assembled a team and searched the area along her route and found several witnesses who had seen Homolka and Bernardo forcing her into their car. So. Okay, but why did you not call? Yeah. When you saw that, exactly. Why would you not be like, "Hey, I saw a couple." Hey, I just saw two people forcing force some kid uh, into exactly. a car. Exactly. Yeah. Unless like, they, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Anyway. Yeah, it seems kind of fucked up. See something, say something, guys. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, and the thing too is like, even if it turns out to be nothing or a misunderstanding, yeah. Yeah. like the worst case scenario is you were wrong. I, I, and that's no, fine. the worst case scenario is you say nothing and someone gets murdered. Murdered, right. But, like, what I'm saying is, like, for you, worst case scenario is you, you misunderstood were, the situation. And but it's everyone's fine. safe. Yeah, yeah, and it's fine. But if you see a child being forced into a car, uh uh-uh. Yeah. No. Yeah. Definitely say something. Yeah. Uh, so, basically, the police have a pretty good idea of what happened mm-hmm. because there's different witnesses witnesses um in addition to in addition to all of that one of Kristen's shoes was recovered from the parking lot oh. which really just made them even more concerned oh yeah they're just absolutely like, not good a lone shoe is always a concern <laughs> definitely <laughs> for sure um, over the three days of Easter weekend, Bernardo and Homolka videotaped themselves as they tortured, raped, and sodomized Kristen French, forcing her to drink large amounts of alcohol and behave submissively to Paul. Oh. Uh, at Bernardo's trial, Crown Prosecutor Ray Houlihan said that Bernardo always intended to kill her because she was never blindfolded. Oh. So the yeah. fact that they she showed saw their who they were, yeah, yeah. meant that. She was never getting out of there? Yeah. They were going to kill her from the beginning. Mm-hmm. While he was out buying pizza on April 18th, he was spotted by Carrie Partridge, Patridge, whom he had stalked the previous month. So, 
her report to NRP was mishandled by the police, as noted by Judge Archie Campbell in his 1995 inquiry to the police investigation of Bernardo's crimes. Yeah. Thus negating any chance of French's being discovered at the Bernardo house. So, yeah, she he had stalked her, and she had made a report to yeah. the police because uh, her, her boyfriend... Uh, took off after him Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. uh, i have been here i think yeah but anyway so he's spotted by this girl that he was previously stalking Mm -hmm. yeah um the following day the couple murdered french before going to homolka's for easter dinner so they just kept her for the weekend and then killed her which is really sad i don't like that Mm -hmm. that you kill somebody and then go have dinner yeah uh, so Homoka testified at her trial that Bernardo had strangled French for exactly seven minutes while she stood watch, stood and watched. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, Bernardo said Homoka beat her with a rubber mallet because she had tried to escape, and that French ended up being strangled on a, from a noose tied around her neck, secured to a hope chest. So once again, oh, he said, God. she said. It's yeah, like, yeah. Well, one of you did it. Um, immediately but let's after, convict both of you. Yes, yes. <laughs> immediately after the murder, Homoka started fixing her hair and playing with her hair and stuff. Uh, French's nude body was found in a ditch on April 30th, 1992 in Burlington, approximately 45 minutes from St. Catharines. (laughs) St. Catharines. There we go. (laughs) We got there. We got there. (laughs) What are words? And a short distance from the cemetery where Leslie was buried. Um, It had been washed and her hair had all been cut off. Yeah. Originally, it was thought that hair was removed as a trophy, but Homolka testified that the hair had been cut to help impede identification. Oh, I guess. Yeah, I guess. All right. So, um, other potential or possible victims or mm-hmm. crimes. Mm-hmm. Um, in addition to be conf- uh, in addition to the confirmed murders of Tammy Lynn, Homolka, Leslie, Aaron, Mahaffey, and Kristen Don French, suspicions were made about other possible victims or intended victims mm-hmm. of Bernardo or Homolka's. Yeah. So shortly after Tammy's funeral, her parents went out of town and Lori visited her grandparents in... Oh, I was like, what is that? That's oh, several. That's Seb. Uh, in... Oh my... Mrs. Sigwa? <laughs> Sounds great. Mrs. Sigwa. Uh, leaving the house empty on the weekend of January 12th, 1991, according to author Stephen Williams, Bernardo abducted a girl... Took her to the house and raped her while Homoka watched, and then afterward dropped her off on a deserted road near Lake Gibson. Bernardo and Homoka simply referred to her as the January girl. Hate it. No. I hate it. Uh, at 5.30 a.m. on April 6th, Bernardo abducted a 14-year-old who was warming up for her duties as a coxswain. Do you know what a coxswain is? I don't. I don't either. Oh, on the rowing team. Oh, so. Okay. Something to do with rowing. With rowing. Yes. Maybe the the leader, the lead rower is the... The coxswain? Yeah. Or maybe the coach? Maybe. I don't know. She rows. Uh, She was distracted by a blonde blonde woman who was waving at her from her car, which then enabled Paul to drag her into the shrubbery near the rowing club. Mm -hmm. Uh, He sexually assaulted her and forced her to remove all of her clothes and wait for five minutes while he disappeared. Oh. On July 28th, 1991. Weird. I know, right? It really is. It's like the humiliation part of yeah, it. Where yeah. Where he, like, he liked humiliating yeah, yeah. women. Yeah, yeah. Makes 
I was gonna say that makes sense. It doesn't make sense, but I get it. Yeah. I get I get for the person the word is. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> On July twenty eighth, nineteen ninety one, Bernardo stalked Sydney Kirshen. Oh, here we go. A 21-year-old, after he saw her driving home from work. On August 9th, he resumed stalking her, but this time she took evasive action. Mm. She went to her boyfriend's house, uh, and her boyfriend spotted Bernardo and took off chasing Chasing him him. on foot. Jesus. Uh, And then he came came across Bernardo's gold Nissan and took down the license plate. At a boy, right? Smart man. Fuck yes, we love a smart man. Yes, we do. (laughs) We do. All right, so the couple reported the incident to Niagara Falls Regional Police, who established that the car belonged to a Paul Kenneth Bernardo, and an NRP, NRP officer visited the Bernardo house where he saw the car parked in the driveway, but he did not do anything. This kills me. Yeah. This fucking kills me, because, like, he's been interviewed for multiple rapes. He's yeah. been stalking people. Yeah. He's, like, he's on their radar. And there's I another like. fucking incident of him stalking and it yeah. gets reported and they like saw Don't. the license plate yeah. and they do nothing. It's That's just wild. Yeah. They didn't even submit an official police report for the incident. It just kind of got swept under the rug. Color me unimpressed. <sighs> Come on, NRP. Come on. <laughs> Get your shit together. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. Please do. Uh, please do. Oh, boy. <laughs> he is shedding. Uh, yes, he is. Sweet boy. On November 30th, 1991, 14-year-old Terry Anderson vanished three blocks from the parking lot where Kristen French would eventually be abducted. Oh, so, same parking pretty, lot. Yeah, yeah. Um, and never returned. Terry was a ninth grade student at Lakeport Secondary School next door to Kirsten French, Kristen French's school. Terry Anderson and Kristen French disappeared within two kilometers of each other. Mm -hmm. In April of 1992, NRP said they had no evidence to suggest a link. Sure. (laughs) But in May of 1992, Terry Anderson's body was found in the water at Port (laughs) Dalhousie. That place again. That place. The medical examiner saw no evidence of foul play despite difficulties of determining such factors in a body that had been in the water for nearly six months. (sighs) Yeah. Ooh. Uh, the coroner's ruling was that her death was by drowning, probably as a result of drinking beer and taking LSD. But, okay. Yeah. I don't know why they make I that was like, assumption. like, wh- where did that come from? Unless it <laughs> yeah. was in her system, but I don't think it would be for that long. Yeah, right? I, I I don't think so. Plus, like, you'd have to, I mean, she's dead, but you have to take, like, a spinal tap to detect LSD in your system. It's not, oh, like, the same as, as other drugs. As other drugs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have to do, like, a spinal tap mm-hmm. to even test for that for that kind of stuff. Interesting. Yeah, it really is. So I'm not sure what the what, LSD what? and beer thing is. <laughs> she's, she's dead. She's a body. Yeah. She was probably murdered. Yeah. Uh, a newspaper clip found during the police search of the Bernardo house described a rape that occurred in Hawaii during the couple's honeymoon there. So, they probably even raped someone while, while they, they were on their honeymoon. Mm-hmm. Good lord. Uh, the presence of the article, the rape similarity to Bernard- Bernardo's modus operandi, and the occurrence during their presence there had led the police to speculate their involvement. Which, yeah. obviously. Yeah, yeah. Law enforcement officials on both sides of the border have stated their belief that Bernardo was responsible for that rape, but due to extradition issues, the case was never prosecuted. Mm. Um, in 1997, Derek Finkel's book, No Claim to Mercy, was published, which presented evidence tying Bernardo to the murder of Elizabeth Bain, 
who disappeared on June 9th, 1990, only three weeks after the last known attack of the Scarborough rapist. Hmm. Bain told her mother she was going to check the tennis schedule on the Scarborough campus of the university at the University of Toronto. Three days later, he uh, her car was found with a large blood stain in the back seat, which is so sad. Yeah, don't like that. Mm-mm. Uh, Robert Baltovich, who has consistently maintained his innocence, was convicted of her murder on March 31st of 1992. Uh, he was convicted of second-degree murder mm-hmm. in the death of his girlfriend. So it was his girlfriend, oh. and they assumed it was him. Uh-huh. Uh, at trial, his lawyer suggested that the then-unidentified Scarborough rapist was the one who was really responsible for the crime. However, he served eight years of a life term before being released pending his appeal. In September of 2004, his appeal was processed and his lawyers alleged that he had been wrongfully con- convicted and that Bernardo was guilty of the murder. On December, tw- or, sorry, December 2nd, 2004, Ontario Court of Appeal set aside the conviction and on July 15, 2005, the Ministry of the Attorney General announced that Robert Baltovich would face a new trial. On April 22nd, after a series of petrol motions... Mm. Oh, pre-trial. Sorry. <laughs> petrol. It's this tiny it's font. It's tiny font, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> after a series of pre-trial motions, including the presentation of evidence implicating Bernardo in the murder of Elizabeth Bain, Crown Attorney Philip Cotinian advised the court that he would be calling no evidence and asked the jury to find him not guilty. Oh, wow. So. Damn. Yes. Yeah. But, like, that sucks. He served seven years for committing a murder he didn't commit. Right, right. Which is my nightmare. Oh, yeah. My absolute nightmare. Wrongful convictions are, like... No joke. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They're bad. On March 29th, 1992, Bernardo stalked and videotaped Shanna and Carrie Patridge from his car and followed them to their parents' house. The Patridge sisters incorrectly recorded his license plate number. Aw. Shanna... She tried. She tried. (laughs) Uh, Shanna reported this incident to NRP on March 31st and was given an incident number. Should further investigate information develop. <clears throat> With Kristen French under Homolka's guard on April 18th, Bernardo went out to buy dinner and rent a movie and he was spotted by Carrie, who attempted to follow him oh. to his house. Jesus Christ. Which is no. Don't do that. Yeah. It's like, uh. Uh, despite losing him, she got a better description of his license plate and car, which she... Once again, mm-hmm. reported to the NRP. Mm-hmm. Uh, this information, however, was mishandled by the police and slipped into a black hole, of course. <sighs> I hate those black holes. <laughs> <laughs> Evidence black holes. Yeah. Um, Archie Campbell, uh, which is the judge on the case, he would refer to the report uh an inquiry into police mishandling of evidence mm-hmm. in the case. Mm-hmm. Just like... yeah. People, come on. Once again, Bernardo. Yeah. Once again. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. In 2006, Bernardo confessed to a 1987 assault against a 15-year-old girl. Another man, Anthony Hanemeyer, had been convicted of that assault and was serving a sentence for it. So, two wrongful convictions Because for of crimes. this fucking dude. Yeah. On June 25th, oh. 2008, the Court of Appeal for Ontario overturned his conviction and exonerated him. So, luckily, they both got, got out. Bless. Bless. We're almost to the end. All right. (laughs) So 
both Bernardo and Homolka were questioned several times in connection with Scarsborough rape investigation. Mm-hmm. Though nothing came of these initial investigations, John Motile, an acquaintance of Bernardo, reported him to the authorities as a potential murder suspect. Mm-hmm. So now people are saying he might be the murderer, yeah, not, yeah. Just the not just the rapist. So, like, that's something I think they would take a little more seriously. Yeah, yeah. Even though it should all be taken seriously, 100%. I'm not saying, but I'm definitely saying. Yeah, yeah. So, Bernardo would be placed under 24-hour surveillance a full 26 months after he submitted a DNA sample uh, to the Center of Forensic Sciences, who began testing on behalf of the Toronto Metro Police. Okay. Uh, Metro Toronto Sexual Assault Squad investigators took Homolka in for questioning on February 9th, uh, 1993, so at this point, Bernardo, <laughs> Pepper, you goofball, <laughs> dogs. <laughs> oh my lord! <laughs> Sorry, it's okay. Sorry. It's okay. Okay. Um, so basically, uh, Carla and Paul got into a huge fight, and he beat the shit out of her. Oh. So she gets called in to talk to the police, and mm-hmm. she thinks it's because of the abuse. Mm-hmm. But then they start questioning her about the murders. Okay. So she thinks she's there for one thing when she's actually there for another. Uh-huh. Yeah. So For everything else, Carla. Yeah, come on. <laughs> so she said that she was being abused by Bernardo, and later that evening told family members that her husband was the Scarsboro rapist. So now she's, like, turned Ooh. on him. She went on to admit to her aunt and uncle that both she and him were involved in the rape and murder of Leslie and uh, Christina French. Mm-hmm. So she's confessing now. Um, Homolka would go on to meet Niagara Falls lawyer George Walker, seeking legal immunity in exchange for cooperation. Mm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. She doesn't deserve it. Yeah, no. She was then Sorry, also no. placed. <laughs> right. <laughs> she was then also placed under twenty-four hour surveillance. After learning that Homolka's involvement in the crime was so extensive. Yeah, yeah however, that she was, like, real damn involved. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, Walker was told by the Crown Criminal Law Office Director Murray Siegel that full immunities would not be a possibility. Oh. They're just like, uh-huh. sorry, but no. Good, good. Well, because originally she was just, like, basically said that Paul did everything and right. she was this victim. She was just And then and- she, the part that blows my mind is... <clears throat> she was the one that told them where the video evidence video was. Were. And it's like, bitch, you're in those two. Dumbass. Like, you think that doesn't implicate you just as much. Yeah. Like, you're not the rapist, but you're a murderer. Yeah. Like, yeah. without a doubt. And you are a rapist as well. Right. I just meant she's not the Scarborough rapist. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know. Yeah. Paul was officially arrested by Metro Sexual Assault Squad. Go get them, Mounties! <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and Green Ribbon Task Force detectives on February 17th and read several charges and told that a search warrant had been granted for the premises. Woo! So they went in, guns blazing. I love that. Hell yeah. Uh, though it sounded like good news for the authorities, the search warrant was unfortunately a weak one. Mm. So, I mean, because of the small link of Bernardo to the murders, no unexpected evidence could be removed from the premises. Oh. And any videotape evidence they found, they had to view at the house. Oh. So they had to watch the tapes there. They couldn't take anything. Uh-huh. Uh, the only tape found by police at first had a small segment of Homolka performing oral sex on Jane Doe, which the detectives said they could not rule as criminal. Oh. So they were just like, this is just like homemade porn. Yeah. Like, we can't do much. <coughs> Excuse me. 
It's terrible, uh, but yeah. we can't do anything. Uh, the search would go on for a total of 71 days. So, quite a while. Damn. Uh, May 5th, the government offered Homolka a plea bargain of 12 years of incarceration in exchange for her cooperation. She had a single week to accept. If she declined, she would be charged with two counts of first-degree murder, one count of second-degree murder, and a string of other crimes. Mm -hmm. Homolka agreed to the offer, and upon its finalization on May 14th, she began giving statements to the police. She told of how her husband had boasted of raping as many as 30 women. And even referred to him as the happy rapist. Eee. Yuck. I, no. No. Nothing I, is happy mm, about it. I, I, <clears throat> I do not support that at all. No. No, 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 no. Uh, detailed testimony from uh, Carla, as well as the videotapes of the rapes, would be used in the trial against him for the murders of French and Mahaffey. Mm-hmm. Leslie. Yeah. He testified that the deaths of uh, each of the girls was accidental, before claiming his wife was actually the one who killed the two. So they both just turn on each other. Mm -hmm. uh, he would be convicted of two first-degree murders, two aggravated sexual assaults, as well as a number of other offenses, being sentenced to life in prison without parole for at least 25 years. Mm. Homolka would be sentenced to the agreed 12 years in exchange for a guilty plea on the charge of manslaughter, serving her time before being unconditionally released on July 4th, 2005. Oh. Yeah. Uh, she remarried upon settling in the province of Quebec before moving to Antilles and Guadalupe. And by 2014, she was back in Quebec, Canada. Bernardo, meanwhile, became eligible for parole in February of 2018. But on October 17th, he was denied, uh, denied day and full parole by the Parole Board of California. And Ooh. it's unlikely that he'll ever be released. <laughs> Yay! Yes! We've got that! Small victories! Yeah. Yeah, even though her serving 12 years for helping rape and murder those women is still fucked. Yeah. But, yeah. Oh, and also, fun little, fun little... Yeah, tidbit. tiddly biddlies. Yes. Uh, one of the Homolka sisters testified in Luca Magnata's trial... Oh, that fuck. one of the addresses on the parcels with the body parts mm -hmm. was theirs. So he had tried to send Carla Homolka a body part. A body part. Yeah. <sighs> Which is just like, come on. I do not like. Come on. I do not like that at all. <laughs> I know, right? It is interesting, though. It, yeah, it is. But yeah, um, Carla's sister uh, was like, we do not know this man have never yeah. seen this man. Oh, right. So, <laughs> but he tried to send us Poor a body girl. part. <laughs> I don't yeah. But he tried to send us a body part. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> we don't want your body parts. <laughs> they belong on bodies. <laughs> Sorry, Just my saying. phone's watching. I just need to turn my it's okay, you're good. power low. Okay. What a wild time. Right? So, yeah, that's... Paul and Carla. Yeah, yeah, I knew about the Ken Tammy. Ken and Barbie killers. I knew about the Tammy thing. Yeah. But that's pretty much it. It just breaks my heart because... Well, yeah. I mean, all of it breaks my heart. Yeah. But, like, your own sister? Yeah. Come on. Yeah. How fucked up is you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. Mm-hmm. I don't, I don't like it. I don't... Ready, go! <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, you, you, you have a thing? I have a thing. Okay, remember... <laughs> <laughs> yes. I just hate myself every time. Why? Well, because I, I, 
I remember watching these documentaries as a kid, mm-hmm. and I'm like, that's so interesting. Mm-hmm. And then as I research it, I'm like, I don't, I'm not qualified. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not qualified. I'm not qualified. And I feel like when you're dealing with topics, uh-huh. like a thing, mm-hmm. it's a lot harder to be interesting. Yeah. No, I know <laughs> what you mean. I'm sorry. No, you're okay. I'm excited still. It's fine. Okay. What are we doing? We're going to talk about stigmata today. Oh. Do you know what stigmata is? Kind of. Kind of? Okay. I mean, I saw that movie like years and years ago. (laughs) Yes. So I think. Yeah. Okay. (laughs) Educate me, baby. At the core, for those that don't know, stigmata is when you get wounds on your body that bleed Mm -hmm. out of thin fucking air. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. And usually it's uh, religious connotations mm-hmm. and the wounds appear where Christ's wounds were. Right. right? On your hands, Nails your feet. Your hands. Yeah, and this wound yeah. on the side. Okay. Or the right side. Yeah. Yeah, that's usually where they are, where they appear. Hey, no. Boys. <laughs> I love you, but no. Not right now, please. <laughs> Sweetheart. <coughs> so yeah, the wounds mm-hmm. appear randomly. Mm-hmm. Like Jesus. Correct. Yes. And sometimes they appear as like a scar, mm-hmm. and sometimes it's just like internal pain. Okay. And there's no wound. But but usually it's like a bleeding wound, and they appear and disappear, okay. and it's fascinating. It is. It really is, because it's like... It's so interesting. I don't, that's so... It's, it's an actual thing that people claim to experience? Yes. Okay. Yes. I mean, like I said, I saw the movie. I <laughs> right. I didn't know it was like an actual thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Which is, I think, so fascinating. And yeah, the, it of really course, is. there's a lot of like, was it fake or real? Right. And right, right. if you ask, and, and a lot of this is Catholics, mm-hmm. Catholicism okay. stuff. So if you ask Catholics and like the popes and stuff, yeah, they say this is all real shit, mm-hmm. right? And these people experience something amazing, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, real. amazing, <laughs> so amazing, <laughs> right? I love spontaneous wounds. <laughs> <It's> fucking same. <laughs> I don't. That's a lie. Yeah, same. <laughs> uh, so they think it's all real, and then of course there's other like scientific people that are like, "Wow, this is so fake. Mm-hmm. Can we not?" Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. The skeptics. Uh huh. One hundred. Um, and I do want to say that most of my information that I got was from an article from SmithsonianMag.com, okay. and it was written by Mike Dash in 2011. Nice. So thank you, Mike. You the real MVP. Thanks, Mike. Yeah, you the best. Because, so with stigmata, mm-hmm. it goes back hundreds of years. Right. And since it's such a weird phenomenon, mm-hmm. it's very well documented. Yeah. And because it's religious, it's also well documented. Of course. <laughs> Except for the, you know, the proof that it's all real. Part. Right, 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 right. right. <laughs> they, didn't, they didn't document that, but it's fine. But it's fine. That's neither here nor there. Right. So if you would ever like to research this yourself, okay. please do. It's very interesting and fascinating, but mm-hmm. I can only give you so much information because I am not equipped to research this. I want all of the information <laughs> now. Well, right now. Let's start at the beginning. Okay. <laughs> the beginning seems like a good place to yeah. start. Yeah. <laughs> so, all the way back to 1224. Holy shit. Yes. <laughs> it's way back. Uh, way fucking back. Uh, the first ever stigmatic is recorded, and his name was Francis of Assisi? Okay. Assasi? <laughs> A-S-S-I-S-I. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. 
uh, he will be sainted later. Okay. So he is now Saint Francis. Mm-hmm. But at the time, he was just fucking Francis. Okay. <laughs> fucking Francis. <laughs> he was just Francis. Yeah. <laughs> and he is a holy man, a preacher, and he is on, I don't even know what to call it, a journey. Okay. Basically. A, a life journey? Yeah. He um, is in, this is in like the mountains of Italy. Mm-hmm. I forget the town. I should have written it down. And he's, like, fasting and praying and, like, okay. goes off alone to do things. <laughs> right? Yeah. He's, like, on a spiritual journey. Yes, yes, okay. yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, according to him, a six-winged angel appears to him. Okay. <laughs> what kind of LSD was he taking? I don't know. <laughs> and the angel approaches him, and Francis sees that the angel has the marks of Christ on him. Mm -hmm. Like, wounds on the hands and the feet and everything like that. And Francis is suddenly filled with all of the feelings. Okay. So he's super joyous and elated and then is super, like, in pain and suffering. And Uh he feels all the things. Everything at once. mm Mm-hmm. And the the angel leaves. the angel. Right. So (laughs) the angel leaves. And after it leaves, Francis notices that there are marks on his body, too, now. And... Same same marks, and the wound on his right side seeps blood often. Okay. And this is well documented that this wound in particular Just bleeds a lot. Just keeps bleeding, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, where are we at? Okay, yep, yep. Scrollsies. All the scrollsies. Right. Francis becomes well-known throughout Europe. Which is a random other thing with stigmata. It used to just happen kind of in, like, Catholic Europe, mm-hmm. but it started to spread. Okay. So now it's leaving a localized area. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Francis becomes well-known, and that. so this is the first ever stigmata, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, he dies two years later and is then elevated to his sainthood. Okay. <laughs> Does he just die of, like, natural... Natural causes. Okay. Yeah. There are some theories about, like, what he... I think i talk about it later, what he actually had, um, sort of. A lot of people think that he either had um, some weird necrosis disease Mm -hmm. where he would get, like, blood pustules in his body that would pop. Oof. And that was what that was. Yeah. Um, Like... And potentially he had leprosy. That sounds awful. Yeah. I don't want that. Same. <laughs> I mean, we were in 1224. I don't know. He could have had some yeah, shit. Yeah, that's true. Some 1224 shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so until the 20th century, reports of stigmata were confined to Catholic Europe, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, but the most recent count of contemporary cases uh, that were made about a decade ago from when this article okay. was written. So like yeah. 80s, 90s. Okay. Basically. Uh, included 25 cases scattered around the world, including one in Korea and one in Japan. Damn. Which is interesting. That is. Yeah. Um, This in itself is a remarkable development, but there has also been a dramatic change in the ratio of male to female stigmatics. There's been a change? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. So, in the past, it was mostly men, I believe. And then... It's become more women. More women. Mm-hmm. Okay. Right. Overall, the mass, the vast majority, have always been women. Three hundred fifty-three cases compared to just fifty-four men. A Whoa. ratio of almost seven to one. Damn. Mm-hmm. 
I didn't even, like, realize there had been that many cases. There's a lot. There's been a fuck ton. <laughs> yeah, I see that now. And a, lot of, and a lot of them get elevated to sainthood afterwards. Hmm. Like, if they're, obviously, if they're Catholic. Right, right. <laughs> but, like... It's not like, you, commoner, uh-huh. you're now a saint. Yeah. <laughs> um, they, which, interestingly, to be sainted... Yeah. You have to have performed miracles. Mm-hmm. And... So bonkers. There's this nun that we're gonna talk about later, mm-hmm. and she got sainted after she died, and there was like there was like disagreement of whether her second miracle was a miracle oh my God. for her to be like sainted. Oh my God. <laughs> Buck wild. You know that doesn't. Somebody look up the definition of miracle because right. I don't think that counts. <laughs> right. You know, should have tried harder. Yep. <laughs> Uh, let's see where we're at. Uh, among the 44 cases reported since 1946, which I think is fascinating that... Hello, boys. Hey! Shh. <laughs> I'm sorry, I know. Shh. <laughs> that from 12, 24, all the way up to the 80s and 90s, mm-hmm. it's been happening and reported. Yeah, it's yeah. so wild. It really is fucking strange uh anyway so uh right among the 44 cases reported since 1946 it's been 2.4 to 1 and among men to women ratio right uh and among living stigmatics it is a mere 1.5 to 1 okay uh and then there was this bbc religious correspondent his last name is harrison uh, and he suggests that this may be explained by the changes in the balance of authority between men and women, both in the church and society. Okay. Interesting. And that in previous centuries, women may have manifested stigmata to draw attention to themselves in a society dominated by men mm-hmm. uh, and in a church that excluded them from the priesthood. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it was like one of the only ways that a woman could be connected to God in that right. way, right? Uh, let's see. Citing stigmatics who uh, affected local religious revivals or became the leaders of messianic sects, Harrison notes the role stigmata plays in granting to individuals and congregations a direct spiritual authority. Huh. Yeah. So, like, you have Jesus' wounds. Mm-hmm. Now we accept you. Uh-huh. <laughs> Basically. <It's> sad. <laughs> Uh, so one of the other, there's a couple of well-known stigmatics as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. <laughs> uh, and the next I want to talk about, his name is Padre Pio. Oh, excuse me. Ah, Padre. Padre Pio. Padre Pio. Yes. And he's interesting in that you can find photos of him online mm-hmm. with his stigmata. Huh. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, we could post one. What? We could oh, post yeah, one on yeah. Instagram. Yeah, we should. Uh, not to be a, a skeptic, but mm. how do we know these people didn't just do this shit to, to themselves? themselves? Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty, like, so, thought that that is a lot of what it is. Yeah. It's, well, especially with the whole, like, women doing it to get attention mm-hmm. to, like, be a part of the yes, church. Yes. It's like, if they see that this gets the people Them attention. Them approval, they're yeah. also going to do it. Then, like, yeah, they're just going to just mm-hmm. cause some injuries, you mm-hmm. know? Like, that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yes. It is interesting. Yeah, there's a lot of people think it's self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. And some people think that... Um, so, because a lot of stigmatics are, like, 
fasting and praying and they get into these delirious kind of states because they're depriving their body that they don't remember doing it themselves to themselves. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. See, and I wondered about like, yeah, with Mm -hmm. the first guy that Mm -hmm. it happened to where he like saw the angel and everything. Like, yeah, he definitely could have had some sort of blackout. Oh yeah. Where he inflicted wounds on himself. Mm Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We're Absolutely. just made it all up. You don't know. <laughs> 100. 100. It's hard uh, to say. Yeah. Yeah. Only God knows. <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Um, yeah. So Pio, he was born in 1887. And for most of his life, he oh, wow. talked about how he had stigmata mm-hmm. and a bunch of other things. Okay. So he saw visions and... A lot of people think that he was uh, haunted by the devil. Jesus. <laughs> and had all of the, yeah, like spooky shit happen yeah. to him a lot. Uh, he supposedly healed a blind girl. Sounds fake, but whatever. Yeah, I mean, they can well document everything, but like, where's the documentation for that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Uh, and then he talked about how he had this religious experience called transverberation. Okay. And because of this whole experience where he, like, saw God and all this shit, his mm-hmm. stigmata is now permanent. Oh. It doesn't... Because a lot of stigmata disappears and reappears, right? right? That's a right. lot of how it works. Works. Quotation. Yes. <laughs> Loose quotations. Yeah. <laughs> but now his stigmata is permanent and oh. forever visible. Of course. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Convenient. And it is... Right. And it is for the next 50 years of his life. Okay. Like, it is visible. It's a, on his hands, his feet, whatever. Yeah. I suspect he did it to himself. Yeah. <laughs> but here we go. Honestly, that's my guess, too. Yeah. Um... And that, when the transverberation stuff is around, like, 1918. Okay. Mm -hmm. Uh, He goes about his life, performing more miracles, doing more shit, uh, and he passes away in 1968. Ooh. And then in 2002, Pope John Paul II makes P.O. a saint. Saint the motherfuckers! (laughs) Okay. I guess. I don't know. Whatever, man. Uh, next up is a woman named Mariam Thresia Chiramel. Okay. <laughs> Names. <Whoa. laughs> it was brutal. Woof. Yeah. And she was born, and it's kind of interesting because she's roughly around, kind of at the same time as Pio. Mm-hmm. Not as long, but. Right. Because he was born in 1887, she was born in 1876. Okay. Uh. And she and was they both had stigma. They both had stigma. She was born in Puthenchira in Irin Jalakuda. <laughs> God help me. <laughs> and it's in a district of India. Oh, okay. it's like kind of at the bottom tip. Okay. Area. Um, and she has a very strict Catholic upbringing, and she fucking loves it. Mm-hmm. And she fasts all the time. And her mom is like, "Baby, please, can yeah. we not?" <laughs> But she doesn't care, and she's just kind of really into this life. Okay. Uh, Okay. Yeah. To each their own. Yeah. Uh, She founded the Congregation of the Holy Family. I don't know what it is, but she founded it. It's holy. She did the most. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, She did the holiest. (laughs) Right. And she was well known for doing apostolic work, so just like work in the name of God, Mm -hmm. you know? 
doing all the things. She was an apostle. Mm-hmm. Yes. Who is she? And much like P.O., she claimed to have, have a lot of religious experiences, okay. like visions and, again, with the whole, like, demonic attack thing. Oh, jeez. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I heard this is how other people do Yes. It, so. Yeah. And she had stigmata. Mm -hmm. However, she didn't ever really talk about her stigmata. Yeah. And she kept it hidden. She didn't show people very much, if ever. Uh, It it starts to become more visible in 1905. Okay. And then even more in 1909. So she slowly starts having more visible stigmata throughout her life. Uh, And then in 1926... An object falls and hits her leg, which gets wildly infected. What? And she dies. What the fuck? Party. That's a trip. Yeah. Dang. Well, and the doctors said that she had diabetes, which also made the wound worse. Oh. And, like... What hit... You don't I, it, doesn't what? Say, it just is an object. Huh. I don't know what hit her, but something... Took her out. Yeah. The devil knocked something off the table and was like, bitch, you out of here. <laughs> <laughs> the stigmata's not enough. <laughs> right. Yeah. That is interesting. Mm-hmm. So. Wild. Right. Um, obviously, so. Par- par- parsable. Possible. <laughs> Just emotion. Explanation. There we go. <laughs> We got there. Stigmata. <laughs> um, fraud, obviously, yeah, figures that's the in biggest one. most of the cases. Uh, there was a woman, Magdalena de la Cruz. Uh, she was a famous Spanish stigmatic of the 16th century. Okay. Um, she had frequent self mortification and spectacular wounds, and so she was a favorite at court. Okay. Yes. <laughs> Eventually, she sure. confesses to having afflicted her own injuries. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. I knew it. Yep. One honey. I knew it. Yes. See, because, like, literally before this moment, I was going to say, like, <laughs> maybe some of them are real. I don't know. I can't, mm-hmm. like, I can't. Yeah. I don't know for sure. I'm not ignorant enough to think I have all you the You know answers, everything. Right. But I was like, I guarantee some of these fucking people Fake faked it Ugh. like one there's no way 100 yeah and i could believe that, that there is something that causes wounds on your body yeah but not like a god thing yes, yes. i could believe that you have some bacteria that's <laughs> doing some shit to you but yeah, localized to your hands and feet yeah or something yeah I, you never know right anyway so yeah she confessed that it's all it's fake, all fake. fake and shit uh similarly johan jetzer who claimed to have experienced not only recurrent poltergeist phenomena, there's a lot of, like, ghosts and shit involved oh, yeah. in stigma, oh, yeah. which is interesting, uh, but also a series of religious visions. He confessed in 1507 that his stigmata uh, were fake. <laughs> fake. Uh-huh. Um, and four friars from his monastery were subsequently burned at the stake for lying. Okay. About this. <laughs> Damn. Uh-huh. That escalated. Uh-huh. And Jetzer himself escaped death only after his mother smuggled him a set of women's clothes and he bluffed his way out of his jail Oh, my cell. God. <laughs> <laughs> what even? You <laughs> just dress up as a woman, honey. It's fine. It's fine. Then don't pay attention Wear to this bonnet. <laughs> Wear this bonnet. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Yep. That's funny. Mm-hmm. 
Um, aside from cases of outright fraud, which may well um, be the majority of all the yeah, cases. Is your stigmata even real, bro? <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> the appearance of stigmata appears to be an essentially psychological condition. Yeah, that makes sense too. Mm-hmm. Whose man or whose manifestations are determined by the cultural expectation of the stigmatics themselves. Gotcha. Right. So I mean, yeah, if these people who are like super involved in Catholicism, mm-hmm. like, yeah, it's expected. Yes, yes, exactly. They're, so they're gonna, it's gonna happen. Well, I gotta get a stigmata. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Um, a large number of sufferers seem to have displayed abundant evidence of low self-esteem, health problems, or a tendency towards self-mutilation to begin with. Mm. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. I guess. So it. there's some other psychological things frequently happening oh, okay. with stigmatics. Yeah, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yes. And, again, like we said... It, it's a self-perpetuating. If you see someone else getting attention for this yes. thing, you're also going to do that oh, to get the to attention. Too. What? what? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I could never have a stigmata. <laughs> I'm too much of a pussy. <laughs> I could have back in high school. <laughs> you could have had a stigmata. I could have had a stigmata. Damn. I never would though, because my hands are my work, like my life. Yeah. See exactly. <laughs> I use mine as well. Yep. Do you want a stigmata? My arms had stigmata. <laughs> what? <laughs> Not really. I'm just saying, like, oh, okay, if okay. I were to put a stigmata on myself, it would have been on my own. Yeah, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> my poor high school self. Um, right, so all the health problems, mm-hmm. which was a potent mix when combined with exposure to the pervasive iconography of centuries of Christian tradition. Okay. Right. Yes. Which we know, the Catholic Church is... Pretty wild. Pretty brutal. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. It has been shown beyond a reasonable doubt that many have inflicted the five wounds on themselves, sometimes unconsciously, Mm -hmm. like we said, perhaps while in an altered state of consciousness brought on by extensive fasting or intensive prayer. Okay. Like, mm -hmm. lots of church stuff. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Lots of that good Jesus stuff. Yep. Uh, Teresa Musco, a stigmatic from Naples endured a lifetime of bad health and a total of more than 100 operations in the years <laughs> leading to um, the early death that she predicted for herself. Oh, geez. So she died in 1976 at the age of 33, the same age as Christ. Oh, geez. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but she, like, she had a the whole slew of health problems. Uh-huh. So, uh-huh. Like, yeah. Good prediction, I guess. Yeah. But, like, well, and she probably gauge, right? You know? Right. Well, and she's kind of fucking weird, buck wild. While she was alive, Teresa habitually described herself as a dung heap. What? And her diary frequently contained this phrase: "Lord, use me as your cleaning rag." What the fuck? I don't know. I don't know, Teresa, sweetheart. I don't know what happened to you. Yes, your cleaning rag. No. I don't know. The Lord doesn't need a cleaning... He doesn't clean. He's already pure. <laughs> yeah. So they say. <laughs> so they say. What Jesus yeah. need to do cleaning work for? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> That's weird. It's supposed to be perfect in heaven, right? Yeah. You don't need to clean shit. Yeah. It's already done. What the fuck? I don't know. Teresa, sweetie, I don't know what happened to you. 
but it was not good. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and then another... I do not know how to pronounce this person's name. <laughs> <laughs> Story of my life. Therese. 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 I think it's Therese. Therese Newman. Okay. We'll just say that. Newman's easy. Yep. Uh, suffered blindness and convulsions as a result of head injuries uh, and claimed that she had lived for more than three decades on nothing more than bread and wine that she received daily at communion. What the fuck? I don't know. That's, no. Mm-hmm. No. Mm-hmm. There's no way. Yeah. Um, there, this researcher, uh, Thurston, discussed her case under the heading Hysteria and Dual Personality. Okay. So, <laughs> and I think that's called schizophrenia. Right, right. <clears throat> there was a modern English stigmatic, stigmatic named Jane Hunt... Uh, and they began to display the signs of the passion, which are like the marks, right? Oh, the passion. Uh-huh. In 1985, after suffering a series of miscarriages and ceased to do so after she had a hysterectomy in 1987. Oh. So she has all these miscarriages. Mm-hmm. She suddenly has stigmata, but then gets a hysterectomy and her stigmata's gone. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. But, sure. Sure. <laughs> sure. We sure. accept. <laughs> Uh, in at least some of these cases, investigators such as Harrison, that BBC religious correspondent dude, right. have argued substantial evidence indicates the original wounds can recur spontaneously and apparently psychosomatically, generally on significant dates. Okay. Um, during the 90s, for example, an Italian woman named uh, Domenica Lobianco, mm-hmm. Domenica, I think. Uh, exhibited the stigmata on Good Friday. Religious days. Religious days, yeah. Her fame spread, and Harrison notes that an Italian psychotherapist, Dr. Marco Marginelli, um, has reported videoing Lobianco in a laboratory as she relived one incident of stigmata in a trance state. Okay. So they, like, <laughs> hypnotized her? Yeah. You boys! Playing. <laughs> <laughs> Um, according to Marginelli, marks appeared spontaneously on his subject's arm as she was taped and outright fraud could be ruled out as an explanation. Okay. So these marks just appeared. So they say. So they say. <laughs> so they claimed that she was restrained. Yes, and couldn't have made the marks herself. Uh-huh. And they didn't make them, and it was recorded, and they just appeared. So she is real. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> um, oh, here some of... Okay, so... Um, the records of St. Francis, that original stigmatic, mm-hmm. right? Uh, physical ailments and system symptoms, Dr. Edward Frederick Hartung concluded in 1935 that he had figured out what health problems St. Francis actually had. Yeah. That caused all this. Um, and Hartung believed that he had an eye ailment known as trachoma, and quartan malaria. Okay. <laughs> I, I don't know what um, mala- but the, that malaria does. Well, but. quartan malaria infects the liver, spleen, and stomach. Okay. And it causes the victim intense pain. Okay. Almost like you've been stabbed in your side. Oh, interesting. <laughs> interesting. Mm-hmm. 
So it's all fake. Yep. Uh, and one complication of quartz and malaria occasionally seen around Francis's time, mm -hmm. so it was known to have happened during that time period, Yeah. Uh, was known as purpura, and that is a purple hemorrhage of blood ah. right underneath the skin. Okay. Uh-huh. And according Could to Hart's... definitely be right. yeah. confused for a stigmata. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this were the case of St. Francis, he would have been afflicted by ecchymosis, an exceedingly large one, mm. chilling on his side. Okay. And the purple spots of blood may have been punctured while in the wilderness, and there appear as an open wound, like that of Christ. Yes. That so, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Makes sense to me. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, and then a later medical hypothesis was proposed in 1987, um, that was, a, that brought up, like, maybe he had leprosy, you know. Right. Like, hey, also, yeah. let's consider this. Yeah. <laughs> Good lord. <laughs> hey! <laughs> I look so guilty. You too wildin' out. I'm sorry, sweet boy. We are trying to have a convo. Please. <laughs> um... There were both religious and non-religious critics who accused Padre Pio of faking his stigmata, mm -hmm. um, saying that he used carbolic acid to make the wounds on himself. Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, the historian Sergio Luzado recounted that in 1919, right after the um, fucking, what's it called, interverberation shit, where his stigmata oh. was permanent. Yeah, yeah, Right, like, right after that, according to one document in the Vatican's archive, Pio had requested carbolic acid from a pharmacist, mm. and it, he said that he needed it for sterilization, but he could have used it yeah. to create these yeah. on his body. Okay. Uh, Hi. Amico Bignami? Yes. Mm. <laughs> Uh, in a report, oh, another person that said that the, the wounds were caused by neurotic necrosis. And he suggested that they had been inflicted unconsciously by suggestion and artificially maintained by iodine that Pio had used as a disinfectant. Okay. Interesting. All sorts of possibilities. Yes, yes, yes. In 1922, physician Ag Agostino... Gemelli, good lord, wrote that Pio was... Why did you do this to yourself? <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, wrote that Pio was a hysteric, and his stigmata were self-induced, uh, not of supernatural origin. Gemelli also speculated that his wounds were kept open with carbolic acid. Okay. Um, and throughout... Acid! Right. Throughout his life, Pio had hidden his wounds by wearing fingerless gloves. Uh, and then at death, there were no wounds, only unblemished skin. Huh. And he was still made a saint. Yeah, what the hell? Anyway, that's it. I was like, I don't know how to end this. There's, Fake saints. There's really not much. No, I, I mean, to, that's, yeah, that's, that's good. I liked it. It was thank really you. interesting because I... It's fascinating. Yeah, I didn't... Like, I knew, like, the idea around stigmatas, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. But, like, I didn't know it was a... A phenomenon mm -hmm. that's so that was widely reported as right. actually happening. Yeah, 100. But I still think it's bullshit. It's fake. <laughs> it's absolutely I, fake. I, you, anybody could, okay, so for one, all those things you listed mm -hmm. as possibilities, like oh, health yeah. issues and mm -hmm. stuff. Mm -hmm. But for two, like, 
yeah, it's it's. I feel like super easy to fake those kinds of wounds and be like, "Look, so I'm too. holy." Absolutely. Oh. oh yeah, I agree. Yeah. Oh, that was really interesting. Thank you. See, you always bless you your heart. Uh, underestimate underestimate yourself. myself. You really do. Fair. You're always like, "It's trash. It's fine." <laughs> but then I'm like, "Oh, that was really cool." Thanks. I just want to sometimes, like, because our podcast is about all oh yeah things absolutely and. I just want to do that sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Like, no idea. I want to do weird topics that people maybe haven't thought about. Yeah. Stuff like that. For sure. Anyway. Yeah. So yeah, stigmata. That, that's really cool. Thank you. Yeah. I think they're all a bunch of stigmata fakers, but it's Sam. It's still interesting. <laughs> it is. Especially for it to be around for such a long time. Yeah. Like. Mm-hmm. And especially for it to be something that, like like, can change your, like, status in the church mm-hmm. and stuff. Like, oh, made, yeah. Like, given sainthood because you had some injuries. Basically. It's mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Religion makes people crazy. One hundred. <laughs> no offense to anybody, but religion makes people crazy. Yeah. 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 People can definitely do some bizarre things, things. in the name of religion. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. Well, all right. That was cool. Thanks. Yeah. yeah. I think we did good. We did. I'm really proud of us. Me too. It's a good episode. Hell yeah. Fuck yeah. <laughs> if you guys don't like it, you can leave. Oh. oh. <laughs> <laughs> Similar yet different reactions. Yes. Yes. <laughs> um, well, plug the socials. Yeah. Um... Um, death becomes fuck. period oh, yeah. us. Death period becomes period us. Yes. For Instagram. Instagram and Twitter is death becomes underscore, underscore us. us. Feel free to follow us on the socials. Follow us on the Facebook group. Yes. Um, and we, we and and yeah. What? Death underscore incorp. Yes. For the. Death Inc. For Death Inc. There yeah. we go. Sorry, I had a blank for a sec. I was like, <laughs> what is it? <laughs> no, we have good. more things. You're good. You're but good. yeah, you can find us on pretty much everywhere you find podcasts. Mm-hmm. There's like 10 platforms that we're on. Yeah. So. yeah. All the popular ones. Love it. Like, subscribe if you want. It's yeah. fine. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's and it. And that's it. Have we'll a good time. night, day, whatever you listen. Yeah. And don't die. Good night, don't die. Good night, don't die. (laughs) Bye.